Hello and welcome to the Multiverse of Badness, the podcast that does to comic books what large flashes of light do to retinas. I am your host, Zach, and as always, I have my typical co-host. I am Mike. I am not co-hosting any other shows, unlike Zach, who does host many, many shows out in the Multiverse of Podcasts. Multiverse of Podcast is a little throwback to the original take, which, if you would like to splice onto the end of the episode for the Bob Squad, I introduced the show nearly as the Multiverse of Podcast. (laughs) It happens. That's the nice thing about editing, is we can edit things in and out at our leisure, otherwise we might get cancelled. Well, yeah, that's a very good... No, we're we're stand-up gentlemen. You know, we have nice things to say about nice comic books, but unfortunately... We don't look at nice comic books, and today is a particularly fine example of a horrible villain first appearance. I've found this guy on uh, multiple articles and YouTube listicles about the worst DC or Batman villains. I'm very excited to introduce to you, Mob Squad, the Ten-Eyed Man. This at least in your mind, you would make an assumption that he has 10 eyes. It's actually a lie. He doesn't. He has two non-functioning eyes and a third eye that doesn't really an, isn't really an eye, but we'll talk about that in a few <laughs> minutes. But first, we have to talk about, and this has been mentioned by some of our Mob Squad members, that they enjoy us talking about the adverts, and boy, we have a banger here. So the first page of Batman 226 is your standard 70s, because this book came out in 1970, your standard 70s adverts that you'd get in comic books. And these things are my favorite. The first one that jumps out to me, I believe for $1.95, you can get a live pet chameleon. (laughs) I saw that. I'm not sure exactly how live it's going to be when you get there, but the one that jumped out to me And if you actually get this one, you might not need to buy a live pet chameleon because in the top right-hand corner, for 65 cents, you can get a live animal trap. It says, catch live animals. If you combine that with right down the bottom in the middle, the squirrel call, which is only $1.90, you can catch yourself a squirrel. You don't need a live chameleon. And if you've lost all sense of humor and have forgotten how to laugh, Grab a bag of laughs and bring it along with you. It's an electric laughing bag. (laughs) Yep. There's one that just says giant. Uh, It's a 10-foot balloon. You you can, oh, you can beat up big bullies. That's just good alliteration. And of course, the typical x-ray vision glasses. And finally, the last one I would like to mention is the midget microphone transmitter. Are you a small person? Do you need a microphone transmitter? Well, boy, do we have something for you. Oh my god, the 70s were fucked up, dude. The last one I'd like to mention, it just says surprise package. (laughs) It's one of those mystery boxes you can now buy on the dark web, where it's just full of shitty toilet paper and human fingers. No, and here's one last one, and then we'll stop talking about this page, which is a lot better than the comic, mind you. It's a bargain. It's a bag of jokes. 35 cents. (laughs) I could do with one of those. I have a a lot of shows coming up, and no material. But that is my problem, (laughs) Mob Squad, this comic book is now your problem. So let's get into Batman 226, The Man with Ten Eyes. So we have 
Philip Reardon, the ten-eyed man. He's a former Vietnam veteran and security guard who is blinded in a warehouse explosion that burns his retinas. I don't want to read more. I don't want to give away too much of the story. But we can't explain the character without giving away this entire book. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but before we do, the one thing I would like to give this book credit for is I actually really like the cover of this comic. It kind of has a horror element to it. He's ominous looking in the background. I, The Ten-Eye Man standing behind Batman on an all-black background. I think the coloring is good. I, I just like it. The comic, not so much so. <laughs> it's definitely, you can tell, from an era where they were stepping out of the campy Silver Age DC and more into, oh wait, yeah, no, Batman used to be scary. Let's, let's do scary Batman again. Uh, it is brought to you by Frank Robbins, who wrote the story, and Irv Novik and Dick Giordano, who do the art. And I know the name Dick Giordano, I'm pretty sure he was like an old school bigwig at DC. But Frank Robbins and uh, Irv Novik, I, nothing springs to mind. So, let's get into the book, because it's it, it, it's worth it. The, 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 the Ten-Eyed Man, Mike, I don't think you understand how excited you should be for the Ten-Eyed Man. Now, it starts as all great stories start with little Jeff and his gang of criminal mushes trying to break into a vault of exclusive furs. Ooh la la. <laughs> They've been casing it. They know there's only one night watchman, a man by the name of Philip Reardon. You may uh, recognize him from the introduction of the podcast. And th this, it starts great because they are sneaking up behind him. And Philip Reardon is reading a book on ornithology, the science of birds. But what the criminals don't know is that he has a mirror attached to the inside of the book to look over his shoulder. He sees the criminal's approach, and he thinks to himself, sure-figured, all kind of odd birds come out at night, ornithology. But then he turns around, hits a criminal with a book, and says, especially jailbirds. The criminals will not have heard his thoughts, Mike. They would have snuck up behind this guy, and he would have spun around and just gone, Especially jailbirds and hit someone with a book. <laughs> and I am amazed at the patience of this man because, as you can see with the mirror, it is attached to the inside of the book, which implies that the book is not being read at all. So pretty much all night, every night, he just sits here with an open book and a mirror attached, hoping that someone's going to sneak up behind him so finally this mirror can come in handy, and boy, was he lucky tonight. All it implies is that he's too lazy to turn around. He's supposed to be, as we find out, a special forces trained Vietnam veteran who got his nickname Third Eye after a grenade exploded and left an indentation in his forehead. But he makes short work of these criminals. He batters them, to be fair. We've got a womp, we've got a kachok, a zung when he hits him with the book. He absolutely does a number on them. And as he's standing there surveying his handiwork, one of the criminals gets up and just chucks a brick at the back of his head. It's brutal. That bothers me on so many levels because earlier it said, hey, it's time to put him on ice, which gives you the impression they could kill or want to kill this man. Yet they decide to attack him physically. He defeats them. And then finally, now we're going to chuck a brick. Why didn't you just chuck a brick in the first place? I don't know what it's like with you growing up around Swansea. Chucking the brick is the first resort, let alone the last. Chuck a brick and then find out what their problem is with you. <laughs> <laughs> so it smashes old three-eye 
at the moment, three Iridan in the back of the head, knocking him unconscious. They go in, there's a big vault door, but they're prepared. They set up a lot of nitro, which they're going to use to blow up the door of the vault to get these exclusive furs. They light a really long fuse, I guess, to give them time to, uh, to get out of the room, right? So as they're doing that, Riordan gets to his feet. He's disorientated. He's instinctively, as it says in the book, tracking his prey. <laughs> well, we do know why he's disoriented, don't we? You'll love this. Because it says, it's like when that con grenade <laughs> clonged me. Yeah, now he's speaking in actual sound effects. I think explains the trauma of what he's gone through because I saw a video on TikTok of a guy who'd clearly absolutely minced out of his face and someone tries to interview him and he re- he's like, I can't talk right now. I'm feeling pretty glonky. And I, I think that Riordan is in the-, the same state. He's in one too many dabs and he is just can't concentrate on reality. So he gets to the room with the fuse when our caped crusader, the Batman himself, swoops in to save the day. And what happens, Mike? Well, first off, Batman swoops in on his bat rope here, I guess through an open window, which is close to the safe. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense on how he's doing any of this. I don't know why the safe's exposed to the open window, (laughs) but it is. He swings through the open window and three-eyed, I'm going to call him three-eyed Johnson because it's more fun than three-eyed Reardon. Oh, three-eyed Johnson here hits Batman. He's he's like, hey, there's something here. I can't really see who it is. I'm assuming it's the thugs that attacked me. So now Batman is in a scrum with Three-Eyed Johnson here while trying to put out this fuse that's about ready to blow up. But Three-Eyed Johnson, I'll give him credit. He holds his own against Batman. He does. And to be fair, I love that this entire time Batman's like, what's this guy doing? Can he not see this fuse? Why is he attacking me? They do mention though a few times in this book that in latex, I believe that uh, the Ten-Eyed Man reappears like five issues later, but they really try to set him up as one of the most deadly foes that Batman has ever gone up against. And I'm, I just don't get it from this. Yeah, he does. He, he lands a pretty good kick right on Batman's jaw. But uh, unfortunately, during the fight, they forget about the fuse. Batman is, throws a batarang to neutralize Reardon. The very moment not only Reardon's sight comes into play and he sees Batman tossing something at him, but the nitro explodes, burning Reardon's retinas to smithereens. Do you burn something to smithereens, Mike? I guess you could, but the bad guys think Batman's dead. They're like, Batman's dead. Three eyes still alive. You see? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So they, for some reason, bad guys, yeah, they're they're chuffed. They they killed the Batman, and the guy who just kicked the shit out of them is still alive. I guess because he did a number on Batman. They're like, oh, great, he's ours now. And they scoop up this wounded veteran to go get his eyes checked out by a mob doctor. The same mob doctor that Batman uses. I mean, they're just collecting this guy like he's a Pokemon here. He's like, we'll just take Big Boy along. I've got plans for him. Why would this guy, after you literally attacked him a few minutes ago, if you do get a sight back, why is he going to suddenly be your pal? You hit him in the head with a brick. Yeah, in all fairness, none of this would have happened if they didn't try rob the place. So it doesn't make sense that Riordan is like, oh, friends, thank you. Or maybe he is just that concussed from a brick to the head and a tussle with the Batman, and also the explosion. Yeah, this guy's mind is actually scrambled eggs right now. I take it back. He would definitely be like, yes, someone just 
get me to help, please. Fair enough. And because he can't see. They let you know that several times. He passed out again on the way. Batman's trying to get home, and he's all fudged up, too. So he can he sees, like, two of everything, and he can barely drive. They take your boy to the mob doctor, and come to find out, this is when we find out for sure that old Three-Eye Reardon is actually now blind. Entirely. They say that the blast exacerbated the time when he got clonged with a grenade. <laughs> the pre-existing trauma in his head combined with a nitro blast. Nothing to do with the brick. Psst. You know what his favorite band is, don't you? <laughs> Who's his favorite band, Mike? Third Eye Blind. Oh, burr, burr, burr. <laughs> if you could put air horn sound effect in that, that would be fantastic. More like, boo. But, <laughs> but yeah, he is clinically blind. He has completely lost his sight forever. And obviously the last thing he saw before losing his sight, was Batman throwing something towards him and then a flash. So he instantly assumes that the Batman has blinded him. It's a fair assumption, but... It is. Also, if this guy remembers, and again, he could be extremely concussed, if he remembers, he was being attacked by criminals earlier, so he may ought to use a little more common sense in his future, but that's beside the point. The scene I love, because you don't get this enough, is seeing Albert drive the Batmobile. I love it. Exactly. Batman has a moment of clarity and he's like, I'm in no state to drive. I will be of more danger to the general public than I am myself if I was to try drive the supercharged Batmobile right now. So he gets Alfred to come pick him up. Reardon and the goons are in the waiting room because obviously the man's just been blinded. So where better place to put him than in the waiting room? While Batman comes to get his eyes checked out, uh, the doctor's like, look, there's some damage, but you're going to be okay. What we will do is give you... Uh, he offers him, I believe, uh, blacked out glasses. And in all fairness, Batman's like, if I walk around with glasses like that, I'm just going to have a hit on my head from every gangster in the <laughs> underworld. So Dr. Engstrom gives him blacked out contact lenses to reduce the strain on his eyes. And he walks out, assisted by Alfred, right past all the goons who are going... He was just dead, and now he can't see us. What is happening here? Yeah, I'm so confused what could be happening to the Batman, considering we brought a blind guy here. He was actually in a room fighting the Batman. He's blind. Batman's walking around and can't see us. What's going on? Maybe, just maybe, he's blind at this point, too. I don't think they're smart enough to put that together, but Batman is smart enough to... Yeah. guide Alfred through the mechanics of making micro-circuitry that they can attach cameras to the new dark contact lenses that Batman has to wear. And you get an amazing scene of Alfred radioing into Batman, watching a TV with what Batman will see through his contact lenses. And he's like, coffee table, 11 o'clock, two feet ahead, ottoman, two o'clock, three feet. It's... <laughs> I'd love that is how Batman had to operate in the field. It's like, and he's going to punch. Oh, no, sorry. Bit late. He did punch you. I'll try to be quicker next time. First off, this was what? This late 60s when this came out? I don't think. 1970. Okay. I don't think the technology likely existed for this at this moment. Secondly, I love that Alfred is watching him not on a monitor, but on an actual television. <laughs> a tube television. <laughs> that doesn't have connectors to anything electronic, somehow or another, even pre-Atari and Pong days, 
Alfred's sitting here leading the Batman around the room. And it works. They're chuffed. Batman embraces Alfred, looking into his eyes, but clearly not aware of what he's looking at because he is blind at this moment. But in the meantime, while they're having this technological breakthrough, while Batman's like, I will be okay over the next few days while my eyes heal, Philip Reardon wakes up from surgery and he sees the doc, or he feels rather that Dr. Engstrom is unwrapping his hands. And he's like, they weren't hurt in the accident. What have you done? What's going on? And Dr. Engstrom, that crazy science bastard, explains that he has taken a connection from the optical nerves to the sensory nerves in the tips of Reardon's fingers, which apparently means he can now see out of the tips of his fingers becoming the Ten-Eyed Man. And again, I'm really disappointed because my first experience with the Ten-Eyed Man, you said, hey, do you know who the Ten-Eyed Man is? I said no. So I instantly go to Google Images, and there is an image of a guy that has eyes on the end of his fingertips. I'm like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. Then I get to this comic, and there's not eyes on the tips of his fingers. It's literally just fingertips. (laughs) I don't understand how he can see through his fingers. And I'm no scientist. But it seems like you need a little more than optic nerves to see through your fingertips. Yeah, I'm not, I know what you mean, I've, a lot of my scientific studies have been discredited over the years, okay, I'll say it, but I'm not sure that just putting an optical nerve in the tip of your finger, not attaching, it would be like, see this cable I'm holding, Mike, this cable that would be able to fit into a camera, Mm -hmm. the cable doesn't see anything, you have to put a camera on the end of it, for it to transmit the information. <laughs> it just doesn't work, goddammit. It would be like attaching a fucking optical nerve to a sausage roll and being like, it has sights! <laughs> well, in the sausage roll's defense, he would be a more interesting villain than the Ten-Eye Man. I do love that the Ten-Eye Man, he named himself already. Now, here's the thing, is he can see through his hands, and he's like, Batman the Rat turned me into this Ten-Eye Freak. But... He can see because he can see through his fingertips now. He can look at his other hand. He can see he doesn't have eyes on the tips of his fingers. They literally just look like fingers. He's pointing at the doctor and pointing at himself and says, I can see you and me at the same time. Now, the doctor's like, excuse me, I have a outpatient I need to attend to. <laughs> Gee, I wonder who that should be. Turns out it's actually Batman. I don't know who you thought it was going to be, but it, it, it's Batman, funnily enough. Yeah. So I, this was one of my favorite bits, just because they missed a golden opportunity here. The Batman and Dr. Engstrom are in a room together. Uh, they're having a conversation, just talking about how it's going. Batman introduces him to the tech that he's made in the contact lenses. And above the door, there's a little window. It's propped open. So the ten-eyed man climbs up holds his hands in the window frame and points his fingers into the room to see what's going on. Why didn't they have a moment where the window snapped shut and trapped all his fingers? That would have been a better comic. It wouldn't be a worse comic. (laughs) We know that much. (laughs) So I love how he calls it his, my condition is lessened, but I still have some flop over vision. I'm not exactly sure what flop over vision is, but it sounds very sexual. (laughs) it does it's you know it's maybe he just gets soft when he looks at things no i think he explains it as you know on a tube tv how sometimes the picture would roll oh that's what i believe his flop over vision is supposed to be but as 
Batman leaves the room. He bumps into what he assumes is just a, a blind gentleman in the, the mob doctor's office and decides to help him. He'll lead you to... He's like, where are you going? And he's like, oh, room 3B. Batman's like, hold on to my shoulder. I'll guide you there. Turns his back to Reardon, who, in my favorite panel in all of comic books, hits Batman straight over the back of the head with his cane, which knocks out Batman's contact lenses. The panel is exquisite. The contact lenses are flying out of Batman's eyes towards you, the reader, in the most dramatic fashion. It is mwah, beautifully drawn. Chef's kiss, but can I ask why he has a cane at this point? I guess he just found it laying around? So we're led to believe, because of his speciality, that this is a mob doctor who specializes in eye care. Oh, that's a profitable business. They may exist, I don't know. My, I, I, my life of crime, much like my scientific research, has been massively discredited. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm guessing he just picked it up somewhere. All right, fair enough. And you know what he's going to do now? He's going to get back the Batman for blinding him by using a complicated piece of machinery that he has never used before, and he is going to blind the Batman with the same lasers that were used to sever his optic nerves. So there's a panel of him placing the laser where it needs to be, Using his hands, how would he know where it needs to be? Because he wouldn't be able to see with all of his fingertips pressing against the side of the machinery. It would just black everything out. Nuances, details, and semantics. We're all getting bogged down in here. <laughs> I've, I've said this before on the Multiverse of Pod. Fuck, I did it again. <laughs> the, <laughs> I've said this before on the Multiverse of Podcast. I don't think this comic book happened. I'm putting that out there. So, yeah, he was going to blind him, fortunately... Batman, of course, because we have a lot more issues of Batman where he's not blind, doesn't get blind, and a scrum ensues. Well, to get out, because Batman is out cold, and I love that Alfred is watching through the contact lenses that are now on the floor on his tube TV, and he needs to wake up the Batman. He's, he doesn't want to see his, his little master Bruce get lasered in the eyes. So he finds an ornamental gong that Batman has lying around, and hits it right into the radio transmitter into Batman's cowl and it shocks him awake the very moment that the ten-eyed man is about to laser point a Batman in the face. And we were lucky that Batman just happens to have the gong in the Batcave. Yeah, you'd think the Batcave would be more uh, function over form? You would think so. Maybe a bit of feng shui. Yeah. At this point, Batman's still having trouble seeing. Of course, ten-eyed man's looking at him with his fingertips the scene, again, remember, this guy, when he could see, he gave Batman a run for his money physically. And he's proving to do it again here. And he balls up his fist and hits Batman in the face. Now, that's important to remember. Because generally, when you ball up your fist, what does that include? Hiding the tips of your fingers in a dark little ball in the palm of your hand? Not only hiding them. I've not gotten into many fights. I'm not a tough man. But I don't gently ball my fist together. I make a fist, which, as is mentioned later, may cause problems if you tighten your fist too tight. But in this case, he not only tightens his fist and hits a man, but it does not seem to affect his quote-unquote new eyes at all. No, no. But during the fight, Batman realizes that this bit really fucking confused me, actually. He knocks... Ten-Eyed Man over, and he goes to... Ten-Eyed Man steadies himself on the floor using his hand, but he reacts as if 
five of his eyeballs have just touched the ground, and it takes the hand out of action. Exactly, but he just punched using the same hand, so wouldn't that be just as bad? Absolutely, and he's been holding objects. He held the laser in place to try shoot Batman. They're definitely cutting fast and loose with the the rules of this, dare I call it a story. Fortunately, we realize as Batman goes to punch and the Ten-Eye Man moves, Ten-Eye Man actually figures out, hey, I can't use my hands to punch anymore, I suppose, because maybe he finally realized, hey, that hurt too. So he just slaps Batman in the eye. In the eye? <laughs> so much that it blinds him. It swelled shut with a slap. It is a full-on just fingertips in the eye, like, no, get away from me. <laughs> bad Batman, bad Batman, don't piss on the floor. And the other thing I love is the picture where Batman admits his eyes are swelled shut. I don't understand what the Ten-Eye Man's do. He's kind of hunched over like he's waving at Batman. He's like, hey, man, how you doing? He's definitely got a bit of a Beastie Boys kind of lean on, isn't he? <laughs> He's going root down here. He's got his swagger on, and he's just waving at the Batman like, I'm just I'm just fucking with him now. He's like, one now, one to go. So <laughs> the Batman, sick of all this hip-hop nonsense, realizes, as Mike was alluding to, that when he closes his fist, he will now be temporarily blinded. Remember, one hand is out of action from touching the floor. So Batman, in a moment of utter genius, world's greatest detective, waits for Reardon to throw the punch, he faints, knowing that his opponent can't see him, whips off the cowl and cape, and catches his fist, wrapping it tightly. Now, can I ask you this? Serious question. Because every question I ask here is serious. If this cowl was so easy for Batman to pull off in an instant, don't you think somebody pulled it off in a fight before? You would assume, but also... Batman is always prepared, and although he had no idea that this particular fight would break out today, maybe he just woke up with a hunch, like, I'll use the tearaway cowl today, just in case I get, you know, like you get those tearaway trousers when you do your male stripping. That's right. Uh, <laughs> they don't call me Magic Mike for nothing. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a very good point. But maybe he just, he knows the process of getting it on and off, and he catches Reardon temporarily uh, blinding his already blind opponent and just kicks him square in the mouth. <laughs> he just does a number on him. One and done. Good night, Irene. <laughs> K-Chalk. So, K-Chalk. K-Chalk, for those scoring at home. And knocks Reardon out for at least the moment. Goes to get the doctor. Says, hey, you created a monster, doc. Ten-Eye could be the deadliest killing machine ever created if I hadn't stopped him cold. I think that. I think we mentioned this in the last episode. This seems like a little hyperbole on my, it's my opinion. It is. It's uh, rather hyperbolic, but do you think they would really sell books if it ended with Batman being like, that guy was tough, but to be honest, he was a, uh, I kicked the shit out of him, didn't I? I'm Bruce Wayne, millionaire who kicks blind men in the mouth. Yeah, you know what? That's why he wears a mask. If he were Bruce Wayne publicly and kicking blind men in the mouth, he'd probably get some public backlash. But he does say in the next panel, just to remind me, because in the previous panel, he says he could be the deadliest killing machine ever created. And then he reminds us he is the most dangerous man alive. <laughs> Fuck, Batman. That is, he is definitely being hyperbolic at this stage. Right. So Ten Eyes is just gone. And we're going to probably never see him again, thankfully. But if you were a loyal reader of Batman, it sounds like you may be exposed to him five issues later. 
So one thing I did love in this very last panel, which I'd have to check the dates, but just given a rough ballpark, in the last panel in the bottom left corner, it, there's just a text box that says Kirby is coming. Uh, do you reckon this was a tease for New Gods? Uh, I was thinking this was a tease for the Super Nintendo game with Kirby in it. <laughs> many, many years in advance. That game would be so much better if it was Jack Kirby. Because, <laughs> like, in all fairness, there are rumors or stories, rather, of Jack Kirby being a genuine hard bloke. Apparently, a group of neo-Nazis tried to raid one of the publishers that he was working in because they had Jewish writers, and he, uh, by all accounts, kicked Ten shades of shit out of them. He was like, nah, <laughs> not awesome. on my watch. Went downstairs and just threw punches. <laughs> hey, Kirby ought to put on a mask and go fight crime. Fucking hey, Jack Kirby. But also the video, as I say, Jack Kirby, the little pink monster. <laughs> <laughs> but that brings us to the end of, uh, of this week's Caped Caper with the Man of Bat himself. Talking about Man of Bat, Ten Eyes does go on to fight uh, Man Bat, I believe, five issues later. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> but it brings us to the point of the podcast, Mike, where we need to rate what we have just suffered through and what hopefully the Mob Squad has suffered through with us. But what are you going to use for your unit of measurement? I think I will use five improperly placed gongs. <laughs> and how many improperly placed gongs would you give it? I will say this. I think this is a one and a half to two gonger. And the reason I say that is a few things. First off, it was ridiculous. The concept of putting eyes on a person's fingertips is stupid. Honestly, I think why I even give it, I'm going to go one and a half and I'll tell you why. I could see Tenai being an anti-hero. Here's the thing. He was injured in a fight. He was a good dude. He was a security guard and a good guy. It was unfortunate that Batman happened to cause the problem he did, or at least in Ten Eyes' account. But if he went on later, and even if he has this hate relationship with Batman, he could be a good guy. He could be an anti-hero. He could go actually stop crime because he may think that Batman caused this, but ultimately he has to remember that he got hit in the head with a brick before this ever started. <laughs> so one and a half for the fact that I think the whole character, not that he was a great character to begin with, but if you're going to try to make him interesting... Don't just be like, I hate Batman for blinding me. That's his whole mantra, at least in this this episode. And it sounds like even in further issues. Until he gets killed off in uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, does he? There will be, after that point, another Ten-Eyed Man. But Philip Reardon, the Ten-Eyed Man, dies in Crisis on Infinite Earth. I found out doing my research for this episode. Oh, I was going to ask, does the new Ten-Eyed Man actually have the eyes on his fingertips that I saw? I didn't. Look into it. Honestly, okay. he wasn't three-eye Reardon, so I didn't care. Fair I'm OG. I like the original. I am going to rate this book on mob optometrists. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, this it kind of it is a bit lackluster. It's dull. It's stupid. And it's, oh, yeah, what are we going to do for this week's villain? Guy you can see through his fingertips, I don't give a fuck. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, okay, actually, we'll just make that the book. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you, like, one and a half. I wasn't spellbound in the way that I was uh, Godzilla versus Charles Barkley, shall we say. Now, the one thing at least I do appreciate that they did, and they used to do more with Batman, is 
they have him on the streets fighting non-superheroes, which is nice. That's the Batman I like. So if if the half star comes from anything, it's the fact that he's fighting a regular dude. Batman is a regular dude with technology. So at least you feel like when you see an issue like this, you feel like the stakes are always high with Batman because they do with Batman often, though not always well, is they do treat him like a regular man sometimes, and he gets in these situations. So at least this 10-Eye man you see is a guy that does pose some physical problems due to his history with against the Batman. So at least he feels like a real challenge, potentially, though a ridiculous challenge because he was stopped with a cape. I'm a kick in the jaw. And, and later I found out he was stopped in a fight in another issue because I think Batman dipped his hands in the mud. I think when he fights Man Bat, someone throws like a bush at him and he has to catch it <laughs> and just injures all his finger eyes. So, yeah, there's definitely some some places that the Ten-Eyed Man would go, but we need to figure out where we would put the Ten-Eyed Man in the modern day. 2022, is it, I believe? Who's the president now? Uh, we don't care about that anymore. America, America's <laughs> just going to America. So as far as where we can put him, I'm actually going to not put him today, but I am going to put him later than 1970. I'm going to put him in the mid-80s. And I'm going to say that he is a character in one of those wacky teen movies or late late teen, early 20 movies where he can see through his fingertips. And of course, the scene I'm thinking about was when he was looking over the top of the door. There's got to be a scene with him looking over top of a dressing room door and watching a young female get changed because that's every 80s movie, including teenagers and early 20-year-olds. Yeah, it's mutant porkies. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, National Lampoon's Ten-Eyed Man, I think, would be a pretty solid pick. I, it's, it's a tough one because it's such a stupid concept that I, I, I am at a loss. I think you are at the right ballpark of it's not a character you can necessarily take seriously, but does have comic potential. So maybe like an animated series, I'm clutching at straws, which I can do because I don't have fingers on the end of my eyes. I don't have eyes. Oh, that would I be can, odd. That would. Just open my eyelids and fingers flop out. Oh, this has been possibly my sloppiest episode of the Multiverse of Podcast. <laughs> but we love you anyway, because you always <laughs> bring the humor that, above all, is what our loyal mob squatters are here to digest. But unfortunately, that brings us to the end of the episode, oh. so I hope you're uh, you're all digesting nicely. You know, don't go in the water for half hour after listening to the podcast. Don't try to stop smoking and then chew a bunch of wintergreen gum and put it on top of nicotine patches, I think, or something. And also, don't eat a can of beans for lunch. Those will mess with your digestive system. We are grown men. We can no longer mess around like this, Mike. We need to take care of our stools. But we also need to take care of our mob squad. And where can they find us? (laughs) Our mob squad can find us on the Twitters at Multiverse of Bad. You can find us on the Instagrams at Multiverse of Badness. You can also find us sporadically guest starring on other podcasts as we like to do. So if you have a podcast and you like us and you are interested in our zaniness and our humor, then... You're probably out of luck. Actually, no, we enjoy being on other people's <laughs> podcasts. So reach out to us at Jesus Christ, Zach. I can't believe you just did that terrible segue at multiverseofbadness.com. 
you can do that. You can reach out just about anywhere at multiverseofbadness.com, including rule of 34 says that Tenai Man is going to be in a porn at multiverseofbadness.com. So with that said, I think we are ready to wrap up this episode, Mob Squad. So before you run out and buy any NFTs and waste your hard-earned money, remember that we may be coming out with a Zach-themed NFT for free. So dig into the Algorand blockchain. <laughs> get your free Zach NFT. It's coming soon. Be on the lookout. But until <laughs> then, what should our mob squad do? They should catch us next time on The Multiverse Paul Podcast. <laughs> that's, that's what I was hoping for. Yeah. Uh, uh. Call back, motherfucker. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the multiverse of pa- I was going to say the multiverse of podcast. 